I'm Nevada basketball's Jordan Caroline, and you listen to Pack Center. What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with my co-host Miguel McNamara. And today we have an interesting show as we talk about the up and downs that 24th ranked Nevada basketball had. And we have fantastic news. Our Lord and Savior, Caleb Martin, is back. With that being said, let's jump straight into the down part of Nevada basketball. Their loss to Nevada Southern on last Wednesday. They lost 86-78. to In that game, Caleb Martin did not play, but the atmosphere was excellent. Miguel, your thoughts on the your thoughts on the atmosphere? It was it was definitely great. I believe the numbers the numbers for that game were right hovering around 10,500. It was the 10th uh largest crowd that Lawler has ever had in its history. I think it was a great it was a great thing especially that it wasn't it wasn't necessarily advertised, but I think fans knew that it was happening, but like you remember last year they had like during that lead up to the game, there were all these like introductions about new uniforms, new uh, special appearances. Mm-hmm. As we talked about last week, they did rock their Battleborn uniforms. Yes, and uh, they got five former players from what was it five decades to do the starting lineup, and I thought that was really funny. Yeah, definitely. Since uh, they were taking they they were definitely taking their times with it. That's it for uh, pregame. Let's talk about the actual game. Um, it was an interesting game. No, no, it truly showed like how much Nevada needs Caleb Martin. Yeah, because without him, it was like one-dimensional scoring, and they really could not hit a like hit a shot from three, and they just got killed by Jovan Morning. Definitely, with him dropping thirty-one points, there was definitely not a lot of people who were able to keep up with him. And I feel like without Caleb Martin being there, Caleb Caleb probably would have drawn his assignment. And probably would have limited him from scoring 31 points. But that game's in the past. There's nothing we can do about that. Uh, four players for the Nevada scored and f- scored 15-plus points. Cody with 16. JC with 18. Lindsey with 17. And Kendall with 16. This was the first home loss for Nevada. Or first home conference loss of the season. And it snapped a 16-game home losing streak. Home winning streak, which dated back to last year. Yeah, definitely was a tough one to to watch, especially for the fans. And especially because UNLV went into our building and beat us. It's a sad sight to see, but I think next time we play down in Vegas to close out the season, I think we'll take it because I think I think our Lord and Savior will be healthy. Yeah, Caleb Martin definitely seems like he's going to be healthy coming into the next game, the blowout against San Diego State. You're right. It was a blow. Uh, Nevada won 83 to 58. Uh, the game was tied at halftime, but then Nevada just just killed them. Just mm-hmm. killed them. It, they just put. It was fun to watch as a Nevada fan, but you gotta think San Diego State was just waving that white flag. Oh yeah, definitely. And it was interesting how um, that was Caleb Martin's first game back since he sprained his ankle in the Colorado State game a few weeks back, and he actually was not in the starting lineup at all. Yeah, it was questionable whether or not he was going to play. There were photos, there were rumors going around before the game saying, oh, he's practicing without a boot. Okay, we don't know if this is just like something to scare San Diego State, but it in fact, he did play. He didn't play well. He didn't shoot the ball well, 
But it's good to have his presence back there yeah. on the court. Yeah, definitely. He also, in the first half, it seemed like he was being a little bit more reserved, kind of keeping mind to that ankle and not trying to um, further injure it because a couple weeks after spraining your ankle is a, is a short timeline to come back, especially in a basketball. Yeah, but with, with Caleb's um... – lackluster offensive performance we had big performances from jordan caroline who put up 26 and 11 his ninth double double of the season and Lindsay drew almost had a triple double he finished one assist shy he had 12 points 11 rebounds nine assists and he played in all 40 minutes of the game yeah he never came out of the entire game which is very impressive I feel like at the end of the game, uh, they were just looking for him to get that assist, and he and then Caleb took over, and like it was just the Caleb and Cody show. So yeah. he really didn't get the ball. Yeah, another little interesting thing is um, towards the end of the game, they put in uh, a couple of new players that not a lot of people know about, especially um, Elijah Cook, which, as some people know, played wide receiver for us on our football team this past season. And I know him from playing in basketball in the gym. Yeah, he definitely he definitely dabbles around in a basketball. A lot. Yeah, and um, at David Cunningham, um, Kate is back on the team as well. So I think it just adds more bench mo- bench people for uh, for Charlie Tooley to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But those are the games we missed. We missed during this week. Let's look at the preview. We have a tough game today as we go to Boise. To face the Broncos, uh, the Broncos come into this game twenty and five with a ten and three conference record. They recently just suffered a, a tough loss to Utah State. So, if Nevada can win this game, they'll have a comfortable lead. They'll have like a three game lead with uh, tiebreakers. But I think it's it's tough to play in Boise, and I feel like their fans are going to be all, their fans are going to go all out. Yeah, definitely, especially with. Um... <clears throat> Especially with uh, the fans coming coming into and realizing that uh, if the Wolfpack doesn't have the full support of everybody in the building, chances are it's not going to be uh, a pretty good game going on. So definitely going to be looking out for the Boise fans just just being there in force. This is going to be this is going to be round two of the heavyweight fight between Caleb and Chandler Hutchinson. As you remember last. Last time in January when they fought off, uh, the two combined for 55 points. Let's see how many points they combined for this time. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a tough game, especially with Caleb not being 100. We don't know if he's 100% or not, but I think we got to see his best performance. Yeah, he's definitely still, it seems like he's still in the recovery phase of it. So him being completely healthy and being able to go to, to full go for uh, the whole game isn't very questionable. I also think what's tough about Boise State is they got a lot of bigs who can grab rebounds, and that's one thing we've seen Nevada struggle with. You saw against UNLV, like they they struggled, and UNLV's lanky, tall, and lanky. We saw we we saw UNLV just dominate the rebounding battle. We saw it against San Diego State as well. Uh, early on, San Diego State had more offensive rebounds than we had total rebounds. So it, Nevada has struggled because they don't have that size. Like everyone on their team is pretty much six seven. Yeah. So I think I think that's one aspect Nevada will struggle in, but I think craftiness and shiftiness will ha- will be something that Nevada plays to. Yeah, Nevada's definitely going to have to be a little bit more tricky with uh, moving the ball around as opposed to just going straight for the paint because of 
like you said, they're more uh, tall and lanky players. Yeah, and I think I think the the thing is with this, this will ultimately I think this will ultimately decide who wins the Mountain West regular season, because if Boise wins, they'll prove they'll improve to eleven and three in conference, while if we win, we'll improve to eleven and two, with our only losses being to at Wyoming and then Nevada Southern. So I think I think. I think this will be a very interesting game. I think this will be a game that also puts the Mountain West back on the map because two two heavyweights in the in the conference going at each other. Miguel, what are your predictions? Predictions for this? Um, it's definitely going to be a close game. I, I don't expect either team to uh, blow out uh, one another. It's definitely going to be a close game, but I think Nevada's going to come out on top. I'm going to say Nevada 75, Boise State 71. They don't cut. Co- I don't know what the spread is, but they don't cover, or they what, whatever four point spread is. I they, mm. the lines have not been released yet. Yeah, but let's move on to the second game this week, and it is on Saturday, where they travel to Utah State to face the Aggies. Now Utah State is coming off a big win against Boise State, and I gotta I gotta feel like their confidence is at an all time high. Um. They are sixth in the Mountain West with a record of fourteen and twelve and seven and six in conference. And one player to watch out for is Kobe McEwen. He was named a uh, preseason Mountain West first team. So, and he's someone we've seen over the past year like dominate Nevada, especially last year in the Mountain West tournament. He killed Nevada despite Nevada winning. And I think he's just a score to to watch. And it's going to be tough for Nevada to go after for th- go after back to back legit scores in Hutchinson and now McEwen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially uh, them riding, riding the momentum of that Boise State win. They do have to go through uh, New Mexico before coming to, before playing Nevada, but if they can ride the uh, momentum that they've gained with that Boise State win into, through New Mexico and on to us, it's definitely be a, uh, an interesting game. Yeah, McEwen scored 23 points in the game against uh, Boise, so I think I think he's definitely a player that you see Caleb or Cody get the role of guarding. You might see a little Josh Hall mixed in. But I think I think Nevada's going to win this game handily because Utah State's not necessarily a threat. Last time these two teams played, Nevada killed them 83-57. to 50, 57. I think this might be a classic trap game for Nevada. Do you know, yeah. what, it, you know what that is, right? Not a clue. The trap game is when like a really good team plays a bad team and the bad team shocks them. So you remember like 10, 11 years ago, Appalachian State beat Michigan? Yeah, I remember that. That's game. a trap game. That's the definition of trap oh, game. Oh, okay. So, I uh, mean, yeah. Nevada's yeah. the first in the conference, Utah State's six. We've seen Nevada struggle like with New Mexico, who's not very good. So I think Nevada just has to worry and they also struggled with San Jose State, so I think Nevada has to realize, okay, we're the best team in the conference. We gotta, we gotta just kill them. We gotta beat them like, like what happened in January. Yeah, definitely. Nevada, with being number one of the conference, have to, has to have that confidence going into the rest of their games that they are number one in the conference. They are nationally ranked, while all these other teams are not. That's the that's the leg up that they have. I want to talk about someone else a little bit of basketball, but I've, did you notice on Saturday, Muss like seemed, I wouldn't say disinterested, 
But, like, there were times, like, he would walk around, like, go get water, like, during the game as it was happening. And I heard reports that saying, like, his, like, assistant coaches did most, like, did, did a lot of the coaching this week. Yeah, it did seem it did seem like he was uh It didn't really seem like interested. he was himself. Yeah. I think it was more of him just realizing that um the game like it's it didn't really matter to him because he knew that his players were going to uh just do all the work and the assistant coaches would pick up the slack that he kind of had. It was it was more of like a like an evening or evening, like a Sunday drive for him. It was just he was just cruising along. Well, I feel like that I feel like that the drive that or the the motivation must had is going to be picked up, especially this week when they face Boise State, a tough game. I feel like the players have extreme confidence after that San Diego State game because it, it isn't great to see them blow their opponent out by 25 points in the second half. Um, looking forward, uh, looking forward into March, uh, it's bracket season. It's a time everyone loves. And according to Joe, ESPN's Joe Lenardi, Nevada is slated to be the eighth seed in the East region where they would face Louisville. The game would be in Nashville, I think. So last year in Milwaukee, this year in Nashville. Now, these, these aren't set in stone, but I, think, but I think this is a good slate for Nevada. I think Nevada could beat Louisville. And they've been hovering around the 7, 8, 9 seed all year. And I don't know if they got enough to move up to the sixth seed. Yeah, I mean, like you said, hovering around the seventh, eighth, and ninth seed is definitely uh, really good, especially um, with the fans hearing that being in the top ten seeds in the East Region, um, facing Louisville definitely going to be a uh, a difficult game since they are uh, one of the top teams out there. But I mean, I, I have confidence in the pack. Yeah, and this is, and we're also just in the middle beginning middle of february the tournament doesn't start till the middle of march so we still got a while away there's still plenty of games for nevada to either improve but i think there are games that nevada wishes they had back they wish they had that wyoming game unlv texas tech they they're they all five of their losses have come by 21 points by combined 21 points and that's that's insane like and I just think that they have losses that are like really bad for their resumes. San Francisco, UNLV. Yeah, seeing that we've beat them in the past, and UNLV not being like not being the team that they have been in the past. Us having that loss is definitely something that we don't want to uh, have dwell on our memory, but also we want to take it back and be like, okay, there's there's a lot of things that we could have done a lot better. I still think one the one key thing holding Nevada up this high is their win over Rhode Island. Rhode Island has proven to be a legit team this year, so I'm glad to see Nevada have that mark on their resume. But let's take a quick break, and we'll jump back into women's basketball.
We are back, and we are going to talk about women's basketball and a rough, tough and rough week they had this past week. They suffered two heartbreaking losses to two really good teams. Let's start off on Wednesday when they lost a very close game to UNLV, 77-75. to The game came down to the wire, and Tej Zeller dropped 23 points and 12 rebounds, both of those led the team for the respected categories. Timo added 20 points and dished out five assists. And as a team, they shot 36% from the field, which isn't great. This loss isn't this loss is also not good for Nevada winning the Governor Series because this gives them this gives UNLV more points. Miguel, your thoughts on this close loss? Definitely a close a close game, uh, which ended up being 77 to 75. It's coming down to the wire it's you can't you can't predict how close a game is going to be especially for it being this close coming down to one of the last shots of the game um like you said in the governor series it's not good for nevada as a whole giving that giving uh las vegas more points which sucks for us but it is what it is now nevada's lost a lot of close games what do you think they can do to eke out some of these victories really like what it comes down to um for me being close games from my personal experience is just grinding and, and uh squeezing out every last uh juice of basketball that you can to get those last shots to get those game winning shots that will get you those victories yeah and it is tough to see nevada lose but it is also much tougher to see nevada lose to unlv as they took two two big, I don't even know how their point scores in the governor's series, but they took two big wins on the same day against Nevada. But let's jump on to the second game this week where they travel from Deserty's, deserty Las Vegas to sunny San Diego. And that was another close game for Nevada. They lost 75-72. to Tej Zeller scored 19 points and grabbed nine rebounds. 19 points led the team. And A.J. Cephas scored 15 points while grabbing 18 rebounds, a career high for her. That's Yeah, that's that's a lot of rebounds. That's very impressive. I don't think that uh, there's anybody even in the NBA who's grabbed that many rebounds in one game. Yeah, the, the record's 40. I stand corrected. Yeah, um, yeah Andre Drummond had 20-plus rebounds this year. But yeah, <laughs> in a single game, uh huh, against the Celtics. Wow. Yeah. Um. So it, it is it, again. We talked about this previously, like thirty seconds ago. It is tough for Nevada to lose these close games, and it just puts them further and further behind in the Mountain West. And they could, they legitimately should have a very good record, but some of these games just don't don't fall their way. Yeah, being ranked seventh in the conference and being five games behind first place, which is now uh, tied with Wyoming, UNLV, and Colorado State, it's it's definitely tough have, being having one team being in that number one spot, but having another just getting farther and farther away from that number one spot. And yeah, it, Nevada has had to face these teams as they're the as their number one in the Mountain West. It just happens to be that way. Yeah, facing Wyoming when they were number one, UNLV when they were number one, and then I believe, I think it was New Mexico very yeah, New early Mexico. in the season. Uh, yeah, so it, it 
again, this a game. This game probably came down to the wire. Probably a last second shot. But some eventually, these shots have to be falling for Nevada. What do you think Amanda Levin's speech to the team is following another heartbreak loss that came down to the wire? It's it's definitely along the lines of. It's so close. You're getting you have the ability to beat these teams. It's just who has more heart and who has more tenacity to grind out those last couple of points that will put you on top of the other team. Is there any way to coach this heart or tenacity? No. You got to you you got to find it yourself. There's no way to for somebody else to tell you how to uh to gain heart and uh tenacity to win a game. You got to want it. And I feel like as as time goes on, especially under the Amanda Levins era, this, this Nevada team will get grittier and grittier. Oh, yeah, definitely. Going from last year, how we talked about last week, um, only scoring, I believe, uh, 11 wins in the entire season to right now having 11 wins and still having about five or six games left on the schedule. There's definitely um, – you can see there's a lot of improvement from Amanda Levins uh, coaching this team, there's definitely a lot more improvement that to come. So yeah, the team now sits uh, with a record of eleven and two, and they have a four and eight. They're in conference, uh, but what's what's really impressive about Nevada is they're eight and four at home, which is something really good to see. Granted, they're only two and seven on the road, which you got to work on. Yeah. But I feel like we've seen this with Nevada with men's like. Winning home games is a key because, especially in college basketball, it is tough to play on the road. Oh, yeah, definitely. Winning at home is is key to um, just gaining that momentum from having your fans behind you at all times and gaining the momentum to when you go on those road games, you still kind of have the fans cheering in your ears because it's just so, it's so loud from the home games that you've been to. All right, well, that's enough for the that's, – that's, that's all the games we've missed. Let's jump forward into the games that to come. So today, like the men's, they play Boise State. This time, it's at home for the women's. And Boise State comes into this game with a record of 15-9, and a 9-4 and in conference, which is good for fourth in the Mountain West. Now, I think Boise State, this is like a revenge game for Boise because if you remember last time, last week we talked about it, uh, the women's team beat Boise State 72 to 68. Let's see. And that was on in Boise. So let's see if the women's team can hold out and secure their second win against a very good team. If you wear pink to the game, you will get into you will get in for free. Yeah, this is one of uh the women's teams. Uh I believe it's called uh Play for K. Um the entire women's team is gonna be wearing pink, and like you said, if you wear pink to the stadium, you will get in for free. God, please, Boise State, don't pull out a yellow uniform. We don't want a repeat of what happened in Wyoming, pink and yellow starburst. So, yeah. Although, no, no more starburst, pink, if please. If they go all blue, pink and blue, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's a blue-flavored starburst. Tropical starburst. Mm, yeah, but I thought, but that was only a limited time. All right, we're going uh, bubblegum and blue raspberry snow cone. There we go. I'm down with that. Okay. And let's jump into Saturday's game uh, where they take on Utah State. At home, Utah State comes into this game with a record of five and nineteen, three and ten in conference. They are second to last in the Mountain West. However, last time these two played, Nevada got killed, seventy nine to fifty seven. 
So I'm I'm confused. Yeah, from them being second to last, but early on in the season, us getting destroyed by them. What? Yeah, exactly. So one of one of their three wins, three conference wins, came against us, and that's not a great feeling. Um, but I think Nevada knew that feeling last year, like when they were dead last in the Mountain West. But I I feel like d- depending on how this Boise State game. They could be coming into this game on a six-game losing streak. So, I feel like I feel like they just need something to build up confidence because going on a long losing streak like that, like you lose like all motivation, you lose a lot of motivation to actually play and do well. Yeah, especially um, going into the Boise State game with a five five straight losses, it's. And depending on how that Boise State game goes, going into the Utah game, you can just feel like, gosh, like, is it ever going to end? Is it just going to keep on getting getting losses? Like, what's going to happen? But they have to remember that Utah State is second to last in the league, and you're, and Nevada is, uh, I believe, three places above Utah State. It's you, you got to still have that confidence of. We're still a better team than them. They're three and ten uh, in conference. Nevada's four and eight. You, you just gotta, you gotta take, take. Um, what's the word for? You basically gotta like roll with the dice and how everything happens, especially with the Boise State game. But you still have to have that confidence that you're still above this team. You are better this team in an entire whole. You gotta just keep that confidence in your head. At the time of this recording, Nevada's loss, Nevada women's last win came on January twentieth. When they beat Boise State, but following that, they had a three-point loss to Wyoming, a thirteen-point loss to Fresno State, a seven, a six-point loss to Colorado State, a two-point loss to UNLV, and a three-point loss to San Diego State. So I think there, there's there might be something to hang your hat on, in despite losing, but I can't imagine losing feels good. Definitely not. But like you said, there's definitely something to look at these uh, losses, especially them being so close within a one or two possession game, um, especially with the UNLV, with the San Diego State, with Wyoming, like especially with those games um, being that close at the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. But you can you if you want to attend the women's game at, against Boise State, it'll be a six thirty six thirty Law Event Center, and then they on Saturday they host Utah State at two o'clock. But that is all for women's basketball. Let's take another quick break and then jump into softball. We are back from break. Thank you for listening to Pack Center on Wolfpack Radio. Let's jump into some softball action. Now, softball has had a very interesting weekend as they were in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, where they played five games and they went two and three. Their first, they kicked off their season with a win against Louisiana Tech, and in that game, 
Zadaria McAllister homered and drove in two runs. Jessica Sellers also hit a home run. And Callie Sargent pitched a complete game, striking out five and getting the first win of the season. In their second game, James they lost to James Madison 8-7. to McAllister drove in another run. Good for her. The team lost a close game, their first close loss of the season. In their third game, they lost to San Long Beach State 16-8. Mele Tasinga drove in two runs. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. And starter Callie Sargent went two, two and two-thirds innings, giving up nine runs. Only four were earned, though, and she is now one and one on the season. Let's move on to the fourth game. They beat Louisiana Tech again, 5-1. to one. Kenzie Goins went yard. And starter Julia Jensen threw a complete game, moved her record to 1-0, struck out six while only allowing four batters. And in the final one, that's another tough loss uh, for the Wolfpack softball team as they lost to Sandy Long Beach State 7-6 where Aaliyah Gibson drove in three runs, including a home run. And starting pitcher Julia Jensen went four and two-thirds, allowing five runs and only striking out one. What were you impressed about, Miguel? Definitely impressed with the wins against uh, Louisiana Louisiana Tech. Two wins, nine and three, and five and one. Definitely impressive to for uh, a team who I don't believe we've ever played in the past. Just going in there, I am kind of disappointed about that uh, Long Beach State game, though. Sixteen eight is not uh, a very good number. No, and it's still impressive how they play five games in three days. Oh yeah. They play, uh, I believe they play uh, two games a day. Yeah, they play two games on Thursday and Friday, and then they played one on Saturday. Yeah. But it is good to see that women's softball, uh, that we, it's good to see, it is good to see that softball is back, because if I remember correctly, they were okay last year. They weren't the greatest, they weren't the worst, but I think this year could be a really good year for them. Yeah, last year they definitely sat in the middle of the pack, but they definitely had a lot of uh, newcomers coming in, trying to learn the system and trying to learn how uh, Wolfpack plays softball. And and from the looks of it, this team can score a lot of runs. As we see, they scored nine runs, seven runs, eight runs, five runs, six runs. That's a lot of runs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for a lot of these games – for the games that they lost, there's definitely uh, they were definitely in the game. Um, the loss to James Madison, eight and seven, really close game. The the second loss to Long Beach State at seven and six, both really close games. And uh, it's kind of like how kind of like with women's basketball, like just getting close. You just got to get in there. You just got to grind out those last couple of runs, couple of baskets to get on top of the other team. If my math is correct, which it might not be, Nevada's scored thirty five runs. In five games, which is good for seven runs a game. Now, who knows if that will actually hold up as the season progresses, but it's still great to see that. 25 runs. 25? 25. No. Six plus five is is 11. Plus nine is 20. Plus eight, seven plus eight. Where is this other five coming from? Oh, I see. And I'm the journalism major doing math. What do you want, a cookie? I actually do. But that's besides the point. Let's uh, let's take a look at what, what's in store for the future of of softball. They have another tough tournament um, where, where they go down to Vegas from sunny Puerto Vallarta, New Mexico, uh, where they um, 
take on they partake in the Desert Classic tournament. Uh, there's five games in three days, like what happened in their last tournament. They on Friday they play Bradley and UTEP. Saturday they play Iowa State and Seattle University, and Sunday they play FIU. I think it's going to be tough, especially that game against Iowa State. Iowa State is a Big 12 school, so I think it's good to see that Nevada is playing all these games early so that they can be ready for the the middle of the season. Yeah, definitely. Playing a lot of tough schools early in the season will we'll get you ready and set up for the conference games that, you, that uh, you play during regular season, which are, I wouldn't say more important than uh, these tournaments, but they definitely have a bigger impact on um, – how the rest of the season will go. Yeah, at the moment, Nevada's sitting fourth to last, um, as just record-wise, with a, the 2-3 and three record. But Colorado State looks like the team to beat. They're 4-0. San Jose State's 4-1. and one. I didn't know San Jose State was good at any sports. Yeah, I, I don't know about UNLV's 4-1. And, and so I think Nevada has, to, has a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of catching up to you. Like you were saying, uh, second to last, it's... Another fourth fourth to last. Oh, fourth to last, excuse me. Um, they definitely have a lot of catching up to do, but it's possible. It's really early in the season. Yeah, but there are also nine te- there are only nine teams that compete in softball. Yeah, but there's they also play, I believe, a lot of about games. 50 games in a season. So there's still a lot of uh, a lot of games. Left yeah, they to play. play. They put Nevada played 55 last year. Yeah. So and that's I believe that's including tournaments. Yeah. They last year they went 30 and 25 with a conference record of three and 11. Let's see if Nevada could improve on that. Now they were just above. They were just above 500, but we hope to sh- we hope to see them those records improve. Yeah. Last year being just above just above five hundred, you you want to see your team be a lot higher above in more to the words the six hundred seven fifty range. Looking, lo- let's talk about another thing with softball. Looking on Twitter um, over the weekend as we live tweet uh, basketball games from the Pack Center account, I see that we follow soft we we follow softball because we follow all Nevada sports mm-hmm. and their hashtag like like what every sport uses. Basketball has the hunt slash defend the waller. Yeah. Football has Nevada grit, mm-hmm. which is an awesome slogan. Definitely. And softball has rise up. Now that's that's... Contra- that's that that's an interesting one. It sounds familiar. It it very much does because if you go to the Atlanta Falcons Twitter page, they have hashtag rise up in their bio. <laughs> so this is so, so, sounds like a little bit of copyright issue. I wouldn't say copyright issue. It's not a trademark slogan, at Fair least enough. I don't think. But I think that they could have chose a better slogan to use because hashtag rise up reminds me of all rise, a famous call used by Yankees announcer John Sterling after every time Aaron Judge hits a home run. A Judgean blast. But I think Nevada could have chosen a better slogan. Yeah, I mean, I, you also got to kind of give it give it to them, and because there's not a lot of slogans that you can use nowadays, especially with people copywriting certain slogans and uh, not giving people like kind of the freedom to use um, 
whatever comes to their head. It's definitely a good one. Like it's it's very iconic, but yeah, they definitely could have thought of something a little but bit better. I'm still confused on what this has to do with Nevada or the Wolf Pack. I think it's more of just for just for the softball team. Just because how you were saying uh, Aaron Judge, every time he goes yard, uh, the announcer all says rise. all rise. Kind of like how um, in softball, how we were saying earlier, they've scored a combined 35 runs. Like that's that's a lot of runs to score. So it, it to me, it seems like it's kind of like an homage to Aaron Judge. So it's not it's not necessarily a thing that has anything to do with with the school. It's just more of the sport. Yeah, that's what because I Because you look at it, Nevada grit is toughness. Mm-hmm. The hunt, Wolves hunt. Yeah. Now, they could have gone Dinger City. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, try, I'm, I, I'm trying to come up with names, but I'm blanking at this, at, at this thought. Yeah, I mean. If, if you can think of any good hashtags you can use for Nevada softball, tweet it at us, at PacCenterNV. We would like to hear what you think. But on that note, let's let's head to break, and we'll, we're coming down to the wire. Here to talk about baseball, America's pastime, as said by many people, but I don't believe it. Uh, Nevada kicks off their season this week, where this weekend, where they have four games this week: um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They are in Irvine to face the Anteaters, and on Tuesday they have a one-game road stand, road stint at Fullerton to face the Titans. Um, last year, UC, UC Irvine went 23-33, and 9-15 in the Big West Conference. But they face a much greater test on Tuesday when they face the Titans of Fullerton, who are a bit better than Irvine. Last year, the Titans went 39-24, 15-9 in the Big West, and made it all the way to the College World Series and where they were eliminated by the Florida State Seminoles. Miguel, what are your predictions for this year's baseball team? Um, this year's baseball team is definitely, um, I believe, it's going to be better. I have some bias to it as they've added uh, left-handed pitcher Caleb Fossum. Uh, he is a friend of mine, and uh, he's. I believe that he is a great pitcher, so I believe that they will. Have uh, you seen him throw a baseball? I have. You have? I have. On video or in person? In person. Really? Yeah. Now, how's his knee doing? His knee, his knee is doing fine. Uh, definitely, um, for those of you who don't know, Caleb Fawson had a knee injury early in the football season. He also plays for the football team, and he was out for I for the entire season. Yep, got um, injured against uh, Northwestern. Yeah, he uh, his knee is definitely looking a lot better. Um, healed, it's healed up very nicely. Um, he's running on it. Everything's fine. He is still going through some physical therapy to get through, or to get through to. Um, re-strengthen the tendons in his knee to make sure everything's nice and tight there, but he is looking uh, very healthy. Will he be able to pitch? No. Yeah, I mean, is he's he... he's been pitching. He hasn't been going 
full strength. Um, but definitely, uh, my prediction is by Tuesday, he will be going full strength. I'm not sure if he will actually be pitching Tuesday, but uh, I believe he'll be back to full by Tuesday. Is he supposed to be a starter, or is he going to be uh... – from, from my knowledge, he I believe he is going to be a relief pitcher, but um, I have no clue. Now, it's, inter- it's interesting to see him transition from football to baseball. We really don't see that a lot. Yeah, def- definitely. Usually you see uh, football players going on and doing, uh, like, wrestling or, like, some sport that's associated with football, not really baseball, which, as far as I know, the only things associated are running. Yeah, but especially for uh, Fossum to go from a wide receiver to pitcher, you would think, like, he might play uh, outfield where he- where they do, like, route running drills. Mm-hmm. And you easily track a baseball. Yeah, especially, like, you're saying wide receivers going and playing uh, outfield because you can track – if you can track a baseball, you can track a football. But it's definitely different. I mean, personally, I don't know why he chose to go and be a pitcher, but that's him. I'm going to let him do him. But it's good to see that he's back and healthy. It was a really nasty injury uh, against the Wildcats. But um, those are the four games. What do you think Nevada goes in those four games? Um, I say against against Irvine, definite win on uh, Saturday. Uh, kind of up in the air on Friday and Sunday. Uh, Friday, definitely, they're. I, I don't expect them to win just because they're kind of getting back in the groove of playing, and uh, playing games. Saturday, I I feel like they're gonna hit that groove and start going going into it Sunday is up in the air because once you get into the groove you either immediately fall out or you kind of just keep going with it uh coming up on Tuesday though the Titans of Fullerton Cal State Fullerton is going to be definitely a difficult game um I can't really make a prediction on that one yeah my prediction is that they go two and two I think they take Saturday and Sunday they take the middle two games but if that is a sign to come, then I think we might be in for a, a better year than last year where they were they finished fourth in the Mountain West. Let's see if they can try to crack the top three. Um, but as as seasons start, we get preseason predictions. And this year, or for the baseball, Perfect Game um, released their Mountain West predictions, and Nevada was slated fourth. And two players made the all-Mountain West team. Mark Nowazowski's starting pitcher and third baseman Grant Fennell. And with these reviews they gave with these with the list they gave season predictions and little just a little tidbit. Uh for Fennell it said his predicted numbers was he would have hit 328 and they they defined him as a catalyst at the top of the order and he's a versatile uh infielder. That's something we saw a lot last year. He could play pretty much anywhere on the infield. Which is which is great to have on the team. And now Zaski uh, predicted six and six, four, four eighty nine, and they honestly say that he's a workhorse. And last year had three complete games. With now Zaski, we saw him pick up the pick up his pace of play as the season went down. Do you think that he continues that as the season can starts? I I believe that that he can. Now whether he will or not is completely up to him. But him keeping that. Uh 
keeping that momentum going into the start of the season will, is definitely going to help um, the other players uh, kind of pick up their pace and um, kind of get the full momentum going going into the season. Yeah, because he he really turned turned the gear up to the max max setting as the season went down. Now let's see if he can continue that. But this is as we've stated last week. This is TJ Bruce's third season with the pack. Let's see if he could win the Mountain West tournament this year. I know that's something that he that hasn't he hasn't done yet. But with that being said, let's head to our final segment right after this quick break. So we are back from our final commercial, our, our final break, and it's not usual that in the month of February we talk about football, but recently we got some big football news. It was announced um, on Monday that the 2020 Nevada non-conference schedule has been released, and it is very, very tough. Let's run through the schedule, how it stands. On August 29th, 2020, Nevada host UC Davis. On September 5th, 2020, Nevada travels to college, to state college to face Penn, the Penn State Nittany Lions. On November 12th, 2020, we host UTEP. And on November 19th, 2020, we face UCF down in Orlando. For any for any confusion out there, it's a bit early to be getting our 2020 non-conference schedule. Yeah, seems that we still have a, another season to play the 20 the 2018 2019 season and, and the, 2019, the 2019 season to play. So there's two full seasons in between this. Yeah, but my only question about this, like all the other games, seem fine, but. Who decided Penn State was a good idea? Exactly. Because if you remember correctly, this year we played Washington State. Mm-hmm. They're a good team. Very good team. Last year we played Notre Was it? I don't know. In the Polian, in the, in the Polian eras, Polian era, we played Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Washington State. So it's it's not unusual for us to play big-name schools. But it's unusual for us to play schools back east. Yeah. Like, it was a shock for us to play in College Station at at A&M, and now Penn State in 2020. There is so much, like, uncertainty that's with this because you don't even know who's going to be still, like, around from this current Nevada team. Yeah, you don't know who Nevada's going to be able to pick up. You don't know what the standing is going to be like around then. You don't even, like you said, you don't even know who's still going to be here. It's it's possible that uh, Coach Norvell will still be here, but uh, as we've seen in the past with uh, Brian Polian's contract, him being bought out and uh, Nevada bringing Norvell in, the same thing could happen to him. So you don't even know who's going to be coaching around that time. Precisely. If Norvell doesn't win, Nevada will not hesitate to buy out his contract. 
I think he's given it a three-year time span, and if he doesn't make a bowl game, I think he'll be Gonzo Alonzo. But it, it's also it's also interesting that like Nevada is getting paid one point four five million dollars to play call it to play Penn State, and this is their second largest payment like payment to play a school. I think the largest one came when they traveled to Notre Dame. I'm not surprised by that. Um, I mean, getting paid $1.45 million just to play a game, like, that's a payday for Nevada. And that could possibly pay for um, – it's new definitely going to pay for – Yeah, new uniforms, scholarships. Like, all this stuff could be paid for just with this one game. I mean, while it's still two years out, um, <clears throat> it's still a ridiculous amount of money, especially for a college team to pay to play uh, us. I still think it's ridiculous that we that schools have to play us to for the, in order for us to for them to play us. I still think it's like ridiculous that we receive a lot of money for Penn State to get a win. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's just how it is. Uh, there was this theory. Um, in this movie called The Longest Yard, where a team plays against another team that is definitely way out of their league and like doesn't even come close to them, just so that we could, they could get a win and get their hopes up for the upcoming season. And this is what it's looked like it's going to be. So we're Appalachian State playing Florida State? Oh, yeah. See, I don't, I, I, it, I don't know who's going to be still at Penn State. James Franklin might leave and take a better job. And just think, no Saquon Barkley, because he's going pro this year. Um, But that is all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank Miguel for being on the show once again. Yeah, of course. Um, Thank you for having me. No problem. You can follow us on Twitter at PacCenterNV, where where we will be live tweeting every single basketball game from here on out. Um, You can follow myself on Twitter at GarrettStats. Miguel doesn't use Twitter. Unfortunately, I do not. I like to keep my social media private. Sorry for those people who are trying to stalk me. No one's no one. Nobody does that. Don't don't bring my hopes down. Um but one last thing before we go. Go Wolf Pack.